We're live. <laughs> What's up? Awesome, man. Well, hey, how you doing? Daryl, hey, nice Darryl. to meet you. Thank you for uh, doing this with me. <laughs> no worries. Why don't you, uh, this is Mark Jensen. Why don't you introduce yourself and let the people kind of know what you're doing here in the valley. Cool. So I, I'm not good at this stuff. I tend to look down, so I'll try to be confident and smile. <laughs> you can look at me. Yeah, I'll look at Daryl. <laughs> um, my name is Mark Jensen. I'm a commercial real estate broker based here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I primarily sell multifamily apartment projects. Uh, I started in October of 2004 and everyone says, well, how did you get into apartments? And it's like, well, I went to the University of Utah and I kind of knew somebody or some girl that lived in just about every apartment in the Northeast quadrant. And so after I got out, it's kind of, I knew every building and, uh, you know, knew, knew that if a cute girl lived there, that it was safe and clean and <laughs> usually, usually had a pretty nice landlord. Uh, so I think that's, that's kind of where, where I got my entry into multifamily. But yeah, we run a team of eight here in downtown Salt Lake City and, and focus mostly in the Wasatch Front, but do stuff regionally. We've sold stuff in 19 states and um, certainly like to understand what other markets are doing and why as it kind of relates to, to Salt Lake City. So. Awesome, man. Awesome. So uh, I know you got your start with uh, the ladies here in commercial <laughs> Not, real don't, estate. Don't let my wife see that. Like, what? <laughs> we can edit my that friends, out. ladies. <laughs> I was a creeper. Yeah. So um, I mean, like, how does one even get into commercial real estate? Do you did you just like link up with a company and they kind of showed you everything they know, or you work your way up the chain? Yeah, an awesome question, and you know, I was excited when Daryl reached out. I think that we were just talking about how there's like this wall between residential agents and commercial agents, and uh, I like to consider myself somebody that bridges that gap as often as possible and help the residential people. I've never sold a home. I think I'd I would lose it. I don't know if I would know how. Um, so yeah, I mean, commercial real estate. I uh, I got my entry into it. I actually graduated from the University of Utah, and I had managed some cell phone stores. Um, that's kind of what put me through college. And afterwards, I thought I had to get a real job. So I actually went to work for my uncle, uh, who's one of the largest flooring contractors in the Western US by volume. And in that position, I basically went around to buildings and, and tried to sell carpet and flooring to these big commercial developers and builders. And in that process, I'd always be like, well, who's coming in here? And you know, how much did this building cost to build? And how long has this you know, area been vacant? And I was really interested in kind of the numbers aspect of it. So. Um, my dad's a CPA by trade. I've always had an HP 12C on my desk since, you know, probably longer than I can remember. Um, and really, really was interested in the math side of it. You know, why is stuff worth certain, you know, why is something worth a certain amount of money? Who buys them? Who owns them? You know, return on energy. What does it cost to run? How long does it take you to run them? And so early in my career, uh, I've done more laundromats than anybody in the market, done more car washes than I want to admit. I've done mobile home parks, retail centers, office buildings, industrial buildings, land development of all all product types, and it really just became it came from my desire to say if I had X amount of money and invested it, you know, where what kind of return can I expect and why? And you know, over time, you just recognize that real estate, as Daryl knows well, plays into the you know what I would call I always tell people um, that I'm kind of a stockbroker of physical assets. I know why you invest in real estate versus stocks, bonds, you know, your brother's pizza shop, you know, uh, and it's kind of a risk reward. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, who you are and where you are in your life and what you're looking to accomplish. Some of those things, no different than you deal with on the wholesaler side. You know, a lot of those people have money, but they don't know what to do with it. You know, they connect with you because they know you're buying value and, and you can show them the path to success. And a lot of ways we do that in our market. I'd say most of my 
most of my business is working with sellers and understanding and helping them execute on their goals. If it's time to exit for family reasons or, you know, their fund is exiting Salt Lake City because it's expensive and going to another market, you know, things like that. So, yeah. so how are you finding your sellers that are working with you? Are those like long-term relationships that you've developed over years and then, you know, when the time is right, then how is that? Yeah, I mean, I would love it. This has never happened. Hey, Mark, this is so-and-so. Um, yeah, you know, we've just been thinking about selling and that now feels like the right time. And, you know, let's go ahead and, and uh, you know, send us your listing agreement at 8%. And, <laughs> you know, it's a tough business. It's a grind. It's definitely the long game, I think. Um, you know, recently I read something about really the goal in the first couple of years in real estate in general is just gain experience points and be passionate about learning. And I think that's something that, that I've done well and other, other people that I, you know, that have been my mentors, that's something they did well. Until you understand why real estate transacts, it's really tough to transact. You know, otherwise it's just a numbers game. You're calling a thousand people hoping that one person says, okay, the timing's right because I've done all that homework on my end. So a lot of my business is doing all that homework with them, right? So it is the long game. A lot of these people I've known a long time. Um, it's understanding, you know, I'll call it the either or. I've been saying that a lot lately. I get in these like loops, but right now the either or is we're, it's late cycle. You know, property's worth a lot of money. What are your options, right? A lot of people will say, well, I'm not a seller because I don't have anything else to 1031 exchange into, which is a tax deference of gain. Um, and so a lot of the deals that we're doing, it's because we know the or we'll go and we'll say, Hey, you can play arbitrage out of multifamily at a four and a half cap and you can buy industrial at a six and play that arbitrage. And assuming you can get the risk profile to a similar position and get them comfortable with those, those returns, or maybe it's, you know, time to leave this market. Maybe it's time to just cash out because you're late in the market. And a lot of it is really individual. I say I'm a stockbroker of physical assets because in a lot of ways we're wealth managers. You're sitting down with, with very sophisticated, smart people saying, you know, here's a, this market is allowing us to really create opportunities for you and make a decision that makes sense for you and your portfolio. You know, if you, if you own a thousand apartment units in Salt Lake City alone, you know, maybe there's a reason to diversify. Maybe we won't see as much growth here as you'll see in a Vegas or a Phoenix or a Denver. You won't because Salt Lake's amazing, but... Anyway, there's just a lot of that, but a lot of it's just long, ongoing relationships, just continuously being there for them, providing value and good information. And we're a non-disclosure state, which is kind of a cheat way of saying that if you provide information to people, they kind of, they love it, right? Because we don't get a lot of that information in the commercial real estate world. So right. a lot of times it's just staying in front of those owners saying, here's what's going on. You know, whether you're doing those deals or not, if you're the one that's giving them that information, it's very valuable. So. Right. So how do you go about finding comps in, a, in this non-disclosure state? Because, we, you know, we pull things off the MLS and we can have action, but it, it feels like, uh, I mean, you guys have LoopNet. I mean, like where, where are you getting your data from? Yes. Um, LoopNet's where deals go to die <laughs> in a hot market. If you see something on LoopNet, it's, it's been picked over by this guy. <laughs> and others. No, that's a great question. We are a non-disclosure state. Um, the commercial side is kind of a good old boys and now fortunately girls network. Um, and we just kind of know, I mean, if you think about it, I really track maybe 1200 properties and I database those back in 2005. And that's one thing I love about real estate is my dad was saying, uh, you know, when I'm first putting my database together, I mean, this is a long time ago, 15 years ago, he basically said the great thing about real estate is the residual value of that real estate. You really don't necessarily need to know every single owner, as long as the property information is correct, owners change, but properties don't, right? So I really had the same database for 15 years and I just, you know, 
have sold a bunch of those and gathered information and intel on those, and that's just kind of what I churn and track. And so it, every year, there's really only five or six of us that do kind of what I do, and we sort of connect and, and uh, just make sure that we know what's going on. But in theory, I'm the MLS. I know every property in town. I know what it's sold for. I know who financed it. I know the equity behind it. I know the buyer, seller. Don't do what I do. It took a long time. So, <laughs> and I wish there was an easier system. There's great surface level stuff now, and it's getting better. CoStar's got, when they bought apartments.com, they, they got great rental data. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that sort of led to some of their sales data and stuff like that. So there are some kind of cursory surface level, but certainly that's the value that I can provide in this market is, is having that detail. And, and you can do that in your world too. I mean, just because it's on the MLS, they don't know the the history of who lived there and why they picked that neighborhood and the original developer. I mean, those are the types of things where I feel like I had the most value is, you know, even though it sold at this amount and this was the buyer and this was the seller and this is who did the financing. Like I know, I know everything. I know when it was built, who built it, why it was built. Um, and those sort of things help shore up risk, which really drive value to my owners. Right. So, so it's like the age old question is for, I'm more on like the residential side and so I guess like two, three years ago, wholesaling got hot. Everyone's on the, on the wholesaling train, but now- Swipe up, Yeah, swipe up for my book. <laughs> but now <laughs> apartments and multifamily are yeah. the hot commodity now. Yeah. Um, and the big question that comes up is, you know, what's, a, what's the going cap rate? How do you determine cap rate? Mm-hmm. And obviously it changes like a cap rate in Salt Lake City is gonna be different <laughs> than what's going on up in Ogden. Yes. So how how would one determine that? I mean, do they just have to call you? Because there's really is there a way to do it by themselves online? Yeah. I mean, that, these are great questions, and I feel like I'm a boring professor, like walking <laughs> you through like teach me mathematics and return on equity. The square and, root. Yeah. Um, real estate has gotten extremely sophisticated, right? I mean, I think the the value in wholesaling is you do what I do. You know what it's worth when you exit, right? And if there's a renter that's beat it up, you know that, hey, I can go in here and probably spend, you know, eight, nine grand and do this and this and this, and it's worth X, you know, and you can, you can tee that up for that, that next buyer. Um, and you have that intelligence that the seller doesn't, right? That's the, that's the value you're providing to whoever you end up selling it to. Um, in my world, it is a lot of that either or. It's like, hey, our family, I mean, just to give you random examples that probably mean nothing and maybe you don't care, but... We, you know, Salt Lake is a risk profile compared to, I mean, it's a different risk profile or a different investment strategy just in general. Like you can start from 100,000 feet and kind of work down. Number one in population growth, top five in job growth. But we're not, we're not a, uh, we're not a Boston, we're not a New York, we're not an LA, we're not a San Francisco. And so it's just, it just attracts a different buyer profile. It's almost like a B stock to a lot of those guys. A little, little more risk. They don't understand it. You know, not as sexy. Not as sexy. You know, do we do we really stay in Salt Lake forever? I don't know. We can, we can kind of go through that. But Salt Lake fits for a reason inside of the investment landscape. Apartments fit inside that investment landscape as one of the most conservative asset classes to your options in that space. I mean. If I called you and said, hey, you know, this car wash is a million dollars, you'll make a hundred grand a year net, or come by this apartment building, you'll make 45,000 net. You're, you know, one sounds better than the other if you're just looking at income, but if you looked at how much time you're gonna spend and energy, and are you gonna see value growth in that sector? And that's where like the stockbroker physical assets thing comes in is it's a return on energy, but it's also for us and this, you know, this equity chunk, where are we best positioned for the next five, 10 years or whatever the investment horizon is? 
I'm going way off track here. I apologize. So you're basically like you have to kind of have like a like a business owner mentality because you're basically buying like you're buying businesses, car washes, large real estate, uh, multifamily. So you basically get to know what your your balance sheets are. And how do you even go into determining your uh, your cost of energy into something? Well, yes. So let me let me back up because I'm I need to I'm trying to think of like who the audience is here. Not that any of this is like ultra sophisticated, but we can boil it down to very simple things. If you own a house and next door is a duplex and that duplex is crappy, could you make it less crappy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's really where value is added because if you go in and you change the countertops and the carpet and the paint, you can take rents from seven eight hundred dollars to a thousand bucks. Or if you're in Ogden, two fit. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't hate me if you're Mogden. We'll talk about liquidity later, but you know, seven, 800 bucks up, up above. So you know, in a lot of ways, um, we're dealing with, with owners that are really sophisticated, that are dealing with you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases, and it's really a capital preservation play. And they're picking Salt Lake and multifamily because of the risk profile that it means to their global portfolio and their family. But you know, the reality is that real estate is, is pretty simple. It's location, location, location. And then you're not going to go buy a duplex if you're going to lose 500 bucks a month, right? Yeah. There's a threshold that gets people interested in investing in that multifamily. And sometimes it's for a short-term gain. I mean, a lot of guys will come in and say, man, we can buy this. We can borrow hard money. We can do X, Y, and Z, and then we can flip it and we'll make Y. And that's a way different strategy than a lot of what we do, which is more long-term investment strategy. Um, it's pretty rare to get into a 60-unit apartment building, you know, go in and spend a couple grand per unit and then, you know, triple your money in six months or something. It's, it's a little bit longer profile and kind of a different strategy, but the return on energy thing is a totally different discussion. I think it's very pertinent to where, you know, you're, you and I are age wise. I'm going to say that cause I, you're, I feel like I'm young. I'll be 40 this year. Woo. I look like I'm 15. So I got a good balance. Uh, but the return on energy thing is just like, you have a, you have a great career and then you go buy a duplex that, you know, you're going there every single day. That's going to eat away your energy and it's going to eat away your time. And it probably wasn't the right energy fit for you. And that, I, that's probably something that I talk about more than most investment brokers, because I'd hate to see somebody that's got a great career that goes and buys a car wash. Next thing you know, they're making less money overall, you know, because it kind of takes away from that. That'd mm-hmm. be, anyway, as an example. Gotcha. So when you're looking at talking to sellers, looking at maybe like just offloading for retirement purposes or rolling up, uh, how often are you getting someone to go from like a 60 unit apartment building to say like four car washes or commercial office space? Yeah, no, great question. And, and arbitrage is really, you know, a lot of times where we can create opportunities for, for people, you know, like if you owned a house and you had 200 grand in equity in it and you're not really doing anything with it and, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're making 15 grand a year or something relatively passive and you have that. If I called you and said, hey, I can take that 200 grand. And not only can I make you 35 grand a year, but I can, you know, once we do X, Y, and Z and refinance, I can give you your 200 back plus 300 grand. You'd be like, okay, let's, let's talk. You know, that's kind of what we do. And whether that's in office, retail, industrial, and, and they all come with different investment strategies, different lending strategies. You know, a lot of the reason multifamily has been successful is you go buy a hundred unit deal in a market that's less than 3% vacant, right? So on average, 97 of a hundred units is rented in the Wasatch front essentially, right? So uh, let's say you go buy that, it was $10 million, or you could buy an office building that's got a single tenant in it that's $10 million. Well, if that single tenant moves out, like 
your kaput, right? Until you figure out what that is. And that's TIs and absorption and you know, capital calls and you name it and, and leasing commissions versus apartments. If, if two people move out, you're like, whatever. Yeah. You know, so it's definitely a lower risk profile and that's in, in demographically. So again, looking down from a hundred thousand feet, the United States is continuing to grow. We, we have not built enough housing to, to meet demand and that's going to continue for the next 20 years. Um, so demographically and economically, there's just a really positive, positive reason to invest in multifamily and that's sort of the the narrative that's leading to so much demand you, you won't lose money investing in multifamily i mean there's a caveat there we need like a disclaimer but in in theory of all the investment opportunities that are out there it's got the the greatest story with the least amount of risk so mm -hmm. so you have you're in contact with these sellers and initially how do you even like get in contact with them and then once you get in contact with them, you kind of have to learn, you know, what their portfolio is, yep. figure out what they want to buy next. And then you're going to need to keep an eye on kind of scouting like, oh, this would be a good roll up for them. Yeah. So, A, how do you how do you initially get the, the meet up with these sellers? And then B, how do you know um, what is, quote unquote, on the market yeah. for them to roll up to? Man, these are awesome. Um, great questions. So like the how do you get started thing is interesting um, because the harder part is how do you get them to like and trust you? And that took about 11 and a half years. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, you can add value. I mean, here's what's great, right? And like, this is something that you'll get from anybody, a Gary Vee, a Grant Cardone, like Daryl, like you, you name it. Um, you can add value to anybody, right? And yeah. so you don't have to go in there and be like, hey, you know, I know all of this stuff and everything that's transacting and everything that's available, I know all that and here's what we're gonna kind of do. I mean, you can literally go in and say, you know, I think you should change your paint color. I think that would attract a higher, you know, higher paying tenant or, you know, hey, I drove by and I noticed that your, your lawn hadn't been mowed. I know three guys that can mow lawns. You know, do you want me to get some bids from them and help you out, right? Like that's that's basically what I've done to get in with most of these owners is any way I possibly could for as any chance I had. It was like, how can I add value to these people? Yeah. Right? It didn't. It wasn't like, I mean, the the jab jab left right hook or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know? jab 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 right hook. Thank you, thank you. It's been a while since I read that since it came out in 08. I'm old. <laughs> Um, but yeah, jab jab right hook is exactly what I've done in my entire career. So if you're looking to get into commercial real estate. The, the best thing to do is just find somebody that owns commercial real estate and just learn a little bit about them um, and then do whatever you can to add value to them. So, yeah. Awesome. And then, so I guess like uh, from the limited knowledge I know about commercial <laughs> real estate, it kind of seems like it's a, it's a relationship business. Like everything's kind of off market and people kind of just get on the horn um, if they want to move something. Uh, is that kind of, is that accurate or yeah, how I, do you know when properties become available? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And I think, I think this is a weird market to be having that discussion because that was different than like a 2011, you know, or a 2010 when everything was on the market. Um, so yeah, how do you know things are available? It, it is kind of weird because I, I call it the vertical real estate. So I, I sort of break real estate into two. Let me go back to this. Uh, when people call me, I put them in one of two categories. You're either in capital creation mode or you're in capital preservation mode. And those are two different investment strategies. Wholesaling is capital creation, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to make money, build that stack so we can go do X, Y, and Z or have our Lambo. You should see his Lambo, it's <laughs> sick. 
or the capital preservation, which is like, we don't want to lose money, you know, but we want a fair market return and we don't want to be in the stock market for whatever reason. I mean, that's, those are kind of the two genres. And I, I only bring that up because I think it's important that, that people understand as they approach somebody too, you can quickly say like, is this person a young developer who's looking to create capital? Or is this guy, you know, uh, did he have an exit from some awesome tech company and he's just looking for nominal safe yields? You know, mm -hmm. they're just, to me, they're two, two distinct groups. Um, then I got lost. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about how do, you, uh, how do you know what properties are available on the market? Okay, so then the other piece that I always talk about is there's horizontal real estate, which is I represent, um, you know, like Walmart or uh, a burrito shop, and we're, you know, we're taking their successful model and we're going to go scale it horizontally. I work more in the vertical space, which is like, why is there money here? Who's in it? What does the debt structure look like? If that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we're, I'm dealing more in yields and IRRs and, you know, uh, multiples and, and things of that nature. And so in my world, there's some interesting things that occur. One, no one's going to loan you in commercial real estate $100 million in, you know, for a hundred years, right? So every loan that has ever put, been put out on the commercial front, it's pretty rare to have fully amortizing loans. So a lot of times you can get to deals by just knowing that there's gonna be decision points, right? In, in the residential world, maybe it's a guy retires, maybe it's their, their, you know, their senior in high school just moved out, maybe they wanna downside. You're kind of looking for some of those triggers. In my world, it's a lot of it's debt driven. Like, hey, you, seven years ago, you took out a seven year loan at X amount, look what the market's done since then you know, what, what are you going to do? What's your plan? It's like, are you going to refinance or, you know, we can help you with that. We can add value. Or are you going to sell? You know, what's your, what's your return on equity been? Has this been a good investment? Sometimes looking back at what they've done is helpful. You know, like on the wholesaling side, if you drove by a property and you've driven by it for 14 years and it's never looked good and the grass always looks like crap, you know, I mean, this is funny because I've, I've gotten lots of great relationships. I joke that I collect friends for a living. Sometimes they don't start out friendly because I'll drive by and just be like, Hey, your property looks crappy. You know, like <laughs> what's going on. But, but as long as they understand that you're coming from a, a place of, I want to help you and I want to add value and you, you sort of get the backstory. Well, Hey, we've got four siblings and nobody really wants to take responsibility. And here's kind of what's going on. It's like, Hey, I think we can do something to improve your situation, their situation. Everybody wins type thing. So right. I don't know if that kind of answers some of the question, but, but that's certainly one way to get in is just be like, you know, just understand and really it has to come from a great place. You can't come in and just be like, I want to make a fee that doesn't work in, in really any sales anymore. Right. But in theory, in commercial real estate, you're, if you're able to add value and provide, um, you know, help them improve their life or improve their situation or increase their income and decrease their, their energy outflow, you're going to get, you're going to get that business. Mm -hmm. So are you, are you, are you a broker? Is that kind of your, your uh, title? Yes, I would be, I, I, people are like, are you a realtor? And it's like, no, I'm held to a much lower moral standard. <laughs> um, I am a commercial real estate broker. Yeah. So okay. really I would say that the definition of my job is to know commercial real estate, who's doing what and why and understand how those pieces fit together and then look for trends and opportunities that, that I can help my clients take advantage of. And in that process, if they get, they want, I get what I want and everybody wins. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so do you have your own uh, business, your own company, or are you affiliated with? 
Yeah, so you know, there's just like in residential, there's a slew of of platforms, and there's reasons to be in each. And and uh, I, I work for a company called Colliers International. I, they're one of the top three internationally. And there are some reasons to do that and to be involved in that versus kind of a boutique. And and we can certainly you know dive into that. But the gist of it is, you just want to go where you're you're getting value because you're paying money to the house, um, but you're also getting so you're you're giving up something for what and if that what delivers better service and positions you better to add value to your clients that's kind of the story that you're looking for for so sure what's the what that you're getting uh so the the what for me is colliers is kind of a younger brand on the multifamily side i mean they've certainly been around forever on asset management management uh, office, they call it occupier services. So like a, like an Amazon, for example, they would hire a colliers to basically help implement their strategies globally. Um, they, they have a lot of that business on the multifamily side. Um, we are technically the largest commercial estate firm in the state of Utah. We have over 120 active agents in the market, but not all of them do multifamily or have my expertise. And so I'm able to team up a lot of times with other brokers and, and help their clients accomplish their goals through kind of the work that I've done historically. Um, from a national standpoint, we've got brokers in every major city. Um, next week, I'll go to National Multi-Housing Conference, NMHC, which is in Orlando. It, it flops because it's huge. So it goes San Diego one year, Orlando the next. And it's my opportunity to basically uh, meet with hundreds of other colliers brokers as well as thousands of owners and operators across the country. And it really allows me to be in the information flow, which is really important to me. You know, if, mm-hmm. if there's a reason to exit Denver and come to Salt Lake, we jump on, we help those guys jump on the Denver guys and show them product in Utah. Like right now we're seeing a max, mass exodus from California investors, political climate, tax climate. And, and Utah is really, a, you know, we're a right to work state. We're, we're friendly, business friendly, Number one in population growth, top five in job growth. Really easy to see where you could be getting in, kind of on a ground floor level in theory. Uh, and so, yeah, we're we're working with a lot of our California brokers to go to them and say, hey, here's the either or, come to Salt Lake City. You know, we we can bring you opportunities, and that creates value for our owners in Salt Lake City because now we're improving pricing for them. You right. know, because California is obviously selling at a premium, and we're offering some value to them. And so that's that's those are the trends and opportunities we look for, for sure. Well, that's awesome. Well, hey, man, you provided a, a bunch of information. I know you got a timeline here. You got another event to go to to show off this nice suit. Um, yes, but I know I if you want to uh, tell people about the event you're going to uh, and then just leave them with uh, whatever you want to want to say. Yeah, I would love it and appreciate the opportunity. I feel like I've talked forever. So if there's any specifics, <laughs> feel free to reach out to me. I, I really like to bridge that gap. And I'd love to help residential agents. I mean, the thing is, if somebody's buying a home and they're moving into town, they're with a company and that company has needs or, you know, if people... Are, are buying multiple units and they want to roll up from 10 single family homes into an apartment and understand you know, why that would make sense from a return and an energy and an equity growth standpoint, we'd love to connect. But I am on the board of the Utah Cancer Society. Um, there isn't a soul in this world that hasn't been negatively impacted by cancer, so I'm certainly passionate about that and that, that is my hard stop. Um, so you know, we'd love to, love to offer a link to the Hope Lodge and some of the other groups that we raise money for, for, for cancer, to fight cancer. Um, but you can reach me on my, I'll just give you my mobile. It's 801-897-3663. And we are lucky to be in Salt Lake City, Utah, in the Wasatch Front brokering deals. We have a great runway 
moving forward. It's a great place to start a career and uh, grateful for young, awesome entrepreneurs who are out there making stuff happen. So appreciate the opportunity. Awesome, man. If they want to find you on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, where's the best place to get you? Yeah, everything's at Mark Jensen CRE. CRE is short for commercial real estate. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I don't do TikTok, but my oldest daughter's 11 now. And I, you know, I don't know. We're, we're just getting on there. I, don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing. So. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. But yeah, I would love to connect LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So we'd love to stay connected with you guys and, you know, go crush it. Make 2020 your best year ever. Awesome, man. I really appreciate cool. it. Thank you yeah, so much. You have a good one.